Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the financial and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, Amy Grice, VMD MBA, is going to talk to us about some key business takeaways from the AAEP convention. Dr. Grice was an equine practitioner for more than 20 years before starting veterinary business consulting. She advises veterinarians and practice owners on a wide variety of projects and challenges, and she's the current AAEP treasurer. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. The Care Credit Healthcare Credit Card helps improve the payment experience for clients and your financial performance. Welcome, Dr. Grice. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me back. Well, we love having you on here, and I know our listeners love it when you come on here and share your knowledge and experience with us. And today we're going to talk about a little bit of some of the key takeaways from the 2021 AAEP convention. And we know that convention was really just loaded with great business and vet wellness information. And we're going to have, for our audience to know, we'll have three feature articles in the spring 2022 Equa Management Magazine that will cover some of those top business issues, trends, and facts about the equine veterinary industry. And in January, February, and March, Dr. Grice is going to provide two articles per month that cover some of those business topics from the 2021 AEP convention. And that information is also going to be brought to you by Care Credit. But in this podcast, Dr. Grice, we want to get your key takeaways of what you thought were the most important topics from presentations or roundtables or even just discussions in the hallway. So what, what was your experience at the convention? The convention was amazing. Um, not only was there uh, the in-person option, um, having the ability to have people joining the following week from home remotely is something that I think we're going to see as a long-term feature. Um, I just found out yesterday that there were over 700 people who registered to attend um remotely, virtually. And and that is fabulous because there's a lot of folks that have not been able to attend convention for various reasons. They can't leave their practice or they have young children or for whatever reason. And so to have them be a part of this experience is fabulous. Um, it, the, the whole atmosphere at the Nashville convention was amazing. Uh, I had people coming up to me in the hallway saying, it just feels different. It feels like the tide is turning. We are having honest conversations about the problems in our industry, and I'm so excited. People were just, um, I think, feeling maybe for the first time hope and feeling like our industry is starting to turn. And it's always like turning a cruise ship. We are not an industry that's like a kayak, so it takes time, but um, it just really seems like that time is here. And so people were um, people were just bubbling with enthusiasm. There was there was just such a, a, a great feeling in the hallways. And I give a lot of credit to our 2022 president, Emma Reed, who put together the program. Um, and she just you know, she chose great people to put together the sessions. Um, I think it was really uh, insightful of her to have her special session be on retention of equine veterinarians in the field, because as we all know, that's a big deal right now. 
And so Carol Clark, who is the head of the, she's the leader of the retention task force of the AAEP. Um, she and I were asked to put together this um, retention session. And so we began um, that session with a uh, review of the actual facts and statistics of the, you know, current equine veterinary industry, which, you know, there are some some fairly, you know, significant and sobering facts. Um, you know, we have so few people coming into the, the, the career right now. And when you look at the salary differences in 2019, you know, the AVMA does a senior survey of graduating veterinarians every year. In 2019, you know, there were just um, 26 students that were going straight into equine. There were about 130 doing internships. But the the average salary, and these did not include the internships, the average salary of those 26 who went straight into practice was 53000 and those that went straight into companion animal practice without an internship were up around 90. Now, in 2020, um, the situation didn't get much better. Um, the small animal companion animal people had an average of 93,000 going straight into practice. And those that entered equine practice, and they split them out by gender. And the companion animal um Salaries were about the same, no matter what gender you were. In equine, the four males that went straight into equine had an average starting salary of 75000 And the over 20 females that entered equine had an average starting salary of 56000 And so, I mean, this is just unacceptable. So... So we started the session with those kind of statistics, you know, just these are the facts, ma'am. <laughs> these are how it is. And from there, um, the next uh, part of that session was Rob Trimble, who is a veterinarian who um, has been leading a uh, the retention information gathering. Um, and he gave a presentation of what they have found out through a number of interviews with both veterinary students, recent graduates, practice owners, and people in industry. And so what they were looking for really were the pain points that are causing people to either not go into equine, leave equine, and what's happening with the practice owners to see what solutions could be um, arrived at. And so he provided that information. And the interviews were fairly lengthy. Um, they were about 30 minutes apiece um, with the people that they were talking to. And it was amazing, he said, how much the, the pain points were the same. Person after person after person students, um, recent graduates, owners, they all were sharing pain points within their group. As far as students went, um, you know, they were, were really feeling they might have come into veterinary school knowing they wanted to be equine veterinarians. They might have dreamed of it for their whole life. 
And then as they started to go through school, they began to get messages both from uh, equine veterinarians, but also sometimes from people at their their veterinary colleges that um, equine practice was hard and equine practice was not financially viable if you had a lot of educational debt. They started to get some negative messages. Along with that, the internship that seems to be necessary to uh, go into equine practice and have basic skills when you arrive um, was very competitive, very difficult. Um, And once you talk to recent graduates, the internship experience broke a lot of them. A lot of them finished their internship and went straight to a companion animal job. Having seen equine practice in the light of day, they were like, that's not for me. So the internship uh, and how its effect on students and new graduates, that has to be fixed. That was very clear um, from Dr. Trimble's presentation. With practice owners, you know, um, it all dovetails because they are finding it hard to pay salaries that are attractive to new graduates or people coming out of internships when those graduates don't have the most basic skills if they're right out of school. They may, because of different um, problems at schools, not having teaching horse, they may have passed a nasogastric tube once. And it's hard to go out into practice without those basic things. They may not have pulled a shoe. Um, And so it's really important for practice owners that if they're going to be able to pay higher salaries, that they can reap um, that money back, you know, within a couple of years with the revenue production that that associate will make. Um, Because clearly those higher salaries in those first several years are coming from the practice's profit. Um, And so they're you know, the practice owners have concerns. They're also very concerned about um, what's going to happen in the equine industry. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. So after Rob Trimble um, sort of shared all of these findings, and there were many more findings as well, as you can imagine, um, they shared some possible solutions um, and things that the AAEP can try to get behind and, and, uh, and create through education or different programs. Um, Then Uh, there was a panel, a panel of six veterinarians who were and are still equine veterinarians at heart, but are working at positions outside of equine practice. And all six of them um, are sad because they had a dream of being horse doctors as their career. They were kind enough to come and talk about this. And that session was so 
amazing. The room was standing room only. There were people coming in the door. There were, there was just a sense of such transparency and honesty and real talk in the room. The atmosphere was, was amazing. Um, people were vulnerable. They were transparent. We had a panel that had people that had left quite shortly after entering equine practice, some that were surgeons, internists, um, some that had left midway in their career, and some that had been in the career for, you know, over 15 years before they left. So we had a wide variety of people, and sadly, their stories were somewhat similar in that the lack of flexibility in the career um, to make room for other things in their lives that were important was was a real uh, theme. Um, you know, when one of the things that we heard was that when people had families that they ended up needing to choose between equine practice and their families. And this could happen early on, as in um, one doctor who described how her practice was fairly supportive during her first pregnancy and the birth of her first child. But several years later, when she um, went to have a second child and she was, you know, having some morning sickness, her um one of the people, I think it was an office manager or some other administrative person, she shared with her that the reason that she was retching was that she was had morning sickness. And the, um, the administrator asked her if she was going to keep it or whether she was going to abort it. And that's shocking. It's shocking. And she went on to say something about how that's what that's why I told the owners they shouldn't be hiring girls. And so if that's pervasive in our industry, it's not okay, um, obviously. So we had people really vulnerable and telling their truth. Um, it was a very powerful session. And What's amazing about it is they haven't lost their love for equine practice. Each one of them talked about how they wanted, they wish there was a way for them to come back. And that if the industry were to change, they wanted to come back. And so this, I think, is a hopeful thing because equine veterinary medicine is sort of in your skin. It's in your DNA. It's in your heart. You want to do it. You love it. So we need to make it possible for people to do what they love. Um, so this session um, concluded with three different um, young veterinarians in the you know first 10 or 15 years of their career talking about ways that they were able to um, make changes in their own practices in order to make equine practice more sustainable. So that whole session was just um, uplifting. Um, people were talking about it for days afterwards. And I give um, Dr. Reed such credit for having the foresight to put 
you know, to have that on the program. It was an excellent, excellent idea. Um, other amazing things that happened um, were there was a, the business news hour was wonderful, but scheduled to be right after the business news session was Mike Pownell talking about um, oddly collaboration in pra practices because his talk, which he couldn't come to be in person from Canada because he was concerned that he might end up testing positive for COVID and never be able to go home again. So um, he did his uh, presentation remotely and it's available on recording and it is a, an hour long and it is a very interesting and informative presentation. The title of it is a little bit um, odd. Uh, it's, I, I, because really the presentation takes a person through understanding how practices are valued, how to increase your practices value, how corporate sales um, occur, um, why a corporate sale may be not the best decision for somebody who's younger or early on in their career. But he takes, um, in this presentation, he goes step by step through the actual process and, and thinking it all through. Um, and then at the very end, he talked about different ways that um, practices could collaborate and get some of the same benefits without selling to corporate. And so these were things like practices merging together or um, forming a loose coalition where they have a management company, um, you know, even like an emergency coalition to share on call. So just ways that practices could um, be together, but not um, be aggregated by a bigger corporation. So that was um, a very, I encourage you all to, to go and watch that recording. It is riveting. <laughs> it really is. Even, you know, even if you're not a business nerd like me. Um, and then that was followed by a panel um, where a group of doctors who have participated in some of these other collaborative solutions came together and discussed what those looked like and how they affected their lives and their practices. So um, I thought that this was a masterful uh, thing to put on the schedule by the business education committee, which plans their invited speakers. Another invited speaker was Terry O'Neill, who is an accountant um, and financial planner who has worked very closely with the VMG or Veterinary Study Group's um, practices for many years. And he gave a presentation on practice valuation. This was a theme, obviously, of this year's business content um, because there's so many transitions of ownership going on right now. And he took a very step-by-step -step approach um, to valuing a practice um, which was very helpful. I mean, certainly there have been valuation talks over the years by many different people, all of which are valuable. But this one this year, I think, really helped people to 
understand some of the basics that they may, because they're veterinarians, they know a whole lot about medicine and surgery and pharmaceuticals and things like that, but very little about their financial statements (laughs) and very little about, you know, what they mean and how they might be adjusted in evaluation and very little about how they can make their practices more attractive to a buyer and have more value. So his um, presentation was fabulous in that regard, and he took people step by step. Um, he also wanted to um, under he wanted people to understand people that are say in their forties and practice owners who may be feeling like if they don't sell to a big corporation, that they might be missing the boat and never be able to get on the boat. Um, That the, even though the amounts of money that the corporations are offering for practices, that when you actually do the math, um, that you would turn out much better off financially if you didn't sell, if you have, you know, more than five years left to practice. Now, certainly I was talking in the hallway to a practitioner who's um, in his late thirties and he has a very wildly successful practice. And he said to me, I was saying, well, you know, just the math doesn't work. Don't do it. And he said, oh, but I could do it and, and then just go somewhere else and do it again. And so if you don't mind uprooting yourself, moving to the other side of the country and starting all over, and maybe you're entrepreneurial, and that sounds like incredibly exciting, Um, or maybe you want to take your, your money and buy a yacht and just sail around the world for the next 30, 40 years, um, if you still love equine practice and you, you know, you love the horses and you love solving the problems, um, you're better off just getting your EBITDA every year, your profit, and um, it will add up to much more than what you're being offered for your practice. So that was another um, super good one. Um, you know, following that, there was a... Um, a veterinarian from Colorado who gave a uh, talk on personal finance that was quite basic, although the paper in the proceedings is much more complex. They only give you 15 minutes to talk, so you can't get a lot done. But she did such a good job, and I, um, she talked about, um, her name was uh, Mandy, Mindy, Mandy, Mindy Smith from Colorado. Um, And she laid out a very clear way for people that have recently graduated um, to get control of their finances, save money, and have a more successful financial future. She did a great job, and it was simple, um, straightforward, and she provided all the tools. So that was another talk that I, I was impressed with. Yeah. Okay. So, lots so, lots of good stuff. I, I did want to thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to talk to Dr. Grace again. She has had some really interesting uh, surveys that she's conducted, and she has been in the, the heat of the battle, so to speak, and trying to uh, 
help lead the the veterinary industry into the next uh, generation. So is there anything else you wanted to add to today's talk, Dr. Grace? I'm sure there's many, many things, (laughs) many, many things that I could add. Um, But really, I just, I was uh, so filled up by the Nashville convention um, and the people that came up to me and said uh, that they felt like the tide was turning and that they suddenly felt inspired to go on and not take that companion manimal job because they could feel like it was going to happen for us, that that we were finally going to start to change. Well, so give everyone hope. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we thank you very much. And again, we remind uh, all of our listeners that in January, February and March, Dr. Grice will have two articles per month brought to you by Care Credit from the business talks at the AEP convention. And of course, in our spring Equa Management magazine that comes out the end of March, we will have a lot of information about business and veterinarian wellness. So come on back and listen to some more of our topics. Go read some articles. Make sure you're getting the magazine. And thank you for joining us on the Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, for 2022. We invite you to visit equimanagement.com or your favorite podcast network such as iTunes or SoundCloud or Stitcher to hear every episode of the Business of Practice. Make sure to follow and rate the podcast. And if you have any questions or suggestions, email me at kbrown at equinenetwork.com. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network. <laughs>